Welcome to Aspire to Rise, where we are teaming up to serve leaders and help them process through a challenge they're facing. I'm Joshua Stamper. And I'm Sarah Johnson. Now let's ascend to new leadership heights together. Welcome back, Joshua, Joshua. We're back on together. How are you today, friend? Sarah, I'm wonderful. To get a chance to actually sit down and talk with you is always a good day. We already determined in the pre-chat, I felt like something's been missing from my life. And the pinpoint <laughs> is that we haven't recorded together in too long. It, it's been way too long. I mean, obviously there was a void. We both realized it. We just couldn't pinpoint it. And it was the fact that we didn't have an Aspire Rise episode going on. That's what it was. Which I think is sad for us and our guests and our listeners, because I know that they like this feature. So I'm glad that we're back at it and that we haven't released this. So Sarah, what's what's been going on? Because I know... I've been missing you for two months. I know there's probably amazing things happening in your world. I don't even know where to start, but I will tell you that it's been an interesting couple of months here in the Johnson household. And I would like to share with listeners that I released my running streak. Did you know that, Joshua? No. I turned 40 in March and I started. Okay. Well, on the day after (laughs) I started, thanks for pointing that out. Yes. I started a new, I mean, it's like, it's a movement streak. I haven't stopped running completely, but approximately Mm -hmm. a month ago, I started embedding strength training and weightlifting and all kinds of things. It's been nutrition focus. It's just been fantastic. I I feel like a new person actually since last time we talked. Wow. That's impressive. I haven't eaten Doritos or (laughs) had excessive amounts of sugar. It's crazy. I know. I've probably eaten enough for both of us, so I think that's okay. Hey, but I haven't released the coffee. So, but I I do remember you posting in your Aspire Leadership Group about like the levels of creamer that people had, and I was like at the way end where it looked, you know, almost like milk. And now I only have black coffee. So these like people can change after lifelong habits. I know. Oh my goodness. So how about you, Joshua? What's new? Well, we were talking about this in pre-chat. So you know, I'm I'm taking on a new career in the sense that I have gone to the theater. <laughs> I'm so I'm excited. I'm the biggest theater geek on the planet. You got to tell listeners what you're doing. Okay. So my theater teacher roped me in to play a small, very small part in the spring play with the kids. And it's frozen. So I get to be the Duke of Wesselton. And I'm going to say it correctly. Unlike the characters in the play that call it Weaseltown. And mm. uh, I get to, you know, jump around and have a fit throughout the entire performance. And so I was running lines with my daughter tonight and, as she was making fun of me of not remembering my lines. And so, of course, that's going to happen this week. So I'm a little nervous because I've never in my entire life been on a stage in the sense of actually doing a play. Now, I've been on the stage speaking, of course, but that's very different than what I'm about to experience this later this week. Oh, my goodness. I cannot. Okay, first of all, I've never been more sad that we don't live closer, that I can't witness that and be in the front <laughs> row cheering you on. Um, and also because of copyright, I'm sure that they're not going to be streaming that thing. No, they're not. This is actually the first time that we'll have people in the building. Of course, it's going to be socially distanced and there's only going to be a few folks in, but the parents are really excited because at this point they haven't seen their child perform. And so they get the chance to, to come and, and watch. And so Actually, my two oldest will be in the audience for one of the shows and then 
they'll probably sneak some photos or videos in there. So you might actually get a chance to see some of my parts. That'd be awesome. I got to say though, how powerful for the learning community that you're serving in, because I know this is like a big deal for you and it's extra time. And it also is a little bit nerve wracking because you haven't performed on stage before like this. But I think about the impact that you're having on the learning community, the actors, the people watching, the parents, all of that is really powerful to have that kind of leadership. So thank you for doing that. It's awesome. No, it's a lot of fun. And it actually reminds me of when I was coaching, like the relationship that you get with the students beyond the classroom. So it's been a lot of fun. And the kids, you know, of course, they are making kind of a big deal of it in the hallways and whatnot, joking around. So that's been, that experience has been really, really fun. That's a good sport. That's awesome. Well, thanks for catching us up on that. Do you want to introduce our guest? I suppose the listeners probably yes. want to hear from him too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Alex Valencic and he's an amazing leader. He is a part of our ambassador program with Teach Better and he has been contributing to the Spiral Mailbag. He's just amazing guy. And I'm so excited to have Alex with us tonight. Alex, thank you again for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Alex, just before we begin, we'd love to hear a little bit about yourself. And of course, the listeners would love to hear about your educational journey too. Alex Valencic. I currently work in the curriculum department in K-12 School District, Northwestern Illinois. I've been in this department for three years. Before that, I spent seven years teaching fourth grade in Urbana, Illinois, and also got to do three years of substitute teaching, which I always say was one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. And I think every district should have positions where they just have full-time certified staff or substitutes, just go building to building every day because it was a phenomenal experience and opportunity for me to learn and grow as an educator. I, I had the opportunity to move up here to Freeport when I started to apply for a job and didn't want to do the video portion of the application, so I closed it. Uh, I did enough that it saved it in the system. So when they looked at applicants, they saw that I'd been interested, called me up and said, hey, we want to interview for this position to be the 21st century teaching and learning coordinator in our school district. And it's like, well, I'm kind of like three hours away from you guys and in the middle of a summer workshop. So I can't really come up to an interview. And they're like, oh, we'll just we'll do it online. And it's like, well, okay, that works, but I'm still going to be in the middle of a summer workshop. So I won't be dressed up for it. And they're like, oh, that's fine. It's the summer. So I, I it kind of funny that the job I got hired for was the one I didn't initially apply for, I didn't dress up for, and I did over a video chat in an empty classroom in the middle of a workshop. But I have loved the work I've been able to do working with teachers, working with administrators, working with pretty much everyone in the school district. Uh, my work, it has varied a lot from supporting project-based learning as we started moving that initiative forward into the district to supporting just about every curriculum area in the district, except for English language arts and literacy. And most lately this year, my focus has shifted to trying to put a new professional learning format into place in the district where we moved away from the kind of that once and done, everybody sits in an auditorium, listens to a keynote speaker, then goes to their buildings and does guided reading lessons, no matter what your job is to really trying to diversify those options to meet the needs of everybody. And in the, along the way with all of that, have also been looking to move into a more formal administrative role, looking ideally to me would be moving into like an elementary building principalship, but 
I've also been looking at some other admin roles, which is kind of what's brought us all together today. Uh, and I appreciate you being here, of course, Alex, for one, but then also just a process through a challenge. So before we get to that challenge, I kind of want to talk about what you just mentioned, which is what is your dream job? Well, at one point, I actually would say that my dream job was to become the Secretary of Education for the United States of America. But then I realized that's really much more of a political appointment, it has nothing to do necessarily with being an educator or a leader. So a while ago, I refocused that. And to me, dream is being a building principal at an elementary building. That's where I've spent most of my area of expertise. And I really love working with the younger students and working with the teachers who serve them. My office right now is actually housed in our district middle school. And I've had a few opportunities to provide some administrative like a guest support when the principal is gone and the AP needed somebody to help out. I realized it's something I could do, but middle schoolers kind of scare me. And I'm hoping we're ever going to hear this to find that out. But a lot of them are a lot bigger than me. My dream is definitely working with the younger students at the elementary level as a building principal. Oh, Alex, I've just been over here beaming this whole time listening to you. And that last piece just made me chuckle. Uh, I have a middle schooler in my home, so I totally get that. <laughs> Anybody who's listening works with middle school. Man, you either got it or you don't, right, Joshua? <laughs> oh, most oh, so, Okay, so the other thing I wanted to just rewind back to for a moment is to thank you for sharing that journey, that piece that you talked about being a substitute teacher and how positive you were about that because I just have a little bit of a bias about this, not only from being a substitute myself, but then also hiring people who had been subs. There's just a training ground that occurs in those substituting years that we just really can't replicate in a student teaching year or other. And I would assume then that your classroom management skills are like top notch. Would you would you say that from all those years? I think I definitely learned a lot of ways to approach things to swiftly pivot if an approach wasn't working out. There were definitely some classes I had that were more challenging than others. And it would seem like I'd go through every tool that I had in my belt and still needed to call on others for help and support. But yeah, I think overall, I really learned how important it is to be consistent and to just with that classroom management to make sure students know exactly what the expectations are. I think the biggest thing I learned is that anytime as an adult, you get into a power struggle with a student, you've already lost because you're that student that they are your peer and therefore you can struggle over who has the power. So if students try to get into a power struggle with me, I just wouldn't engage with it at all. And it would make some of them really upset because they didn't know how to respond to a substitute who would just walk away in the middle of them fuming and getting all upset about things and was definitely able to use that in my classroom as well and realize that eh, power struggles aren't worth it because once you get in the power struggle, you've already lost. I love that. And I think also substitutes become masters at quickly building relationships, the good ones, right? Like <laughs> strong substitutes. And yeah. then the other piece is it's, it's nice because when you look back, I think everything kind of prepares us for what might be down the road. And it gave you an opportunity to be in multiple classrooms where a lot of times in the trajectory, if we just get right into our own classroom, that's what we see. And unfortunately, in a lot of districts, we're not getting the opportunity to get out and see. So I think that's awesome. I just want to take a moment to raise that up. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. 
So Alex, would you do us a favor and just kind of frame up your, your leadership challenges? What is it that you'd like to process with Joshua and I tonight? So as I said in kind of the intro, that I've spent three years working in my district's curriculum and instruction department. And in that role, have worked directly under, first it was our assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction, then he left the district to take a superintendency and his replacement was given the title of executive director for curriculum instruction. One of those same roles, same responsibilities, new title. But as curriculum coordinators, we've worked directly under that individual. So if you think about like the hierarchy of how a school leadership is set up. There's the superintendent, then the assistant superintendents or the executive directors. And then there are the curriculum coordinators who are not administrators. None of us are administrators, but we all work out of central office. We work with the administrators in the district. And there was a large group of us. My executive director of CNI has currently about 12 different direct reports, including me, and had realized that she needed to be able to manage her time better. So in consulting with our superintendent, brought a proposal to the school board to hire an assistant director for instruction and support who would pretty much take over the leadership of the curriculum coordinators to allow the CNI executive director to focus on more of the big picture tasks that were there. So it was a position that I have had a lot of opportunities to work closely with, with my boss. So the idea of being able to get a position as formally serving in an assistant role to her was really appealing to me. So I put together my application materials. I applied for the job, was given an interview, and then was ecstatic when I was called in as one of the finalists for the position. And the interviews, I was told they both went really well. But unfortunately for me, the assistant director who was selected is someone who was coming from out of our district who has more administrative experience and more of those titles on the resume. And what it's making me kind of wonder is, how do I stay in the role that I currently have working under somebody and working with somebody who has a job that I had applied for and wanting to be able to work with the person in a way that doesn't come across that I'm trying to secretly do their job for them because it's a job that I had tried to do as well. Yeah. So Alex, that's, that's a very interesting debacle that you have. And one that I think Sarah and I have probably lived out ourselves. Um, obviously, every administrator, every leader goes through a lot of different interviews and they don't get every position that they are seeking. But just so I'm getting this correctly, is that you applied for a position, you didn't get the position, but the other person that is in that position now is above you and you're trying to figure out how to work with this person as you are trying to get the role they're currently in. Is that correct? Yes, that's the situation of how do I work with the person who got the job that I wanted and being able to really work with that person who I don't even know she knows that I I had wanted the job. I haven't actually met my soon to be new boss yet. Yeah, I first want to thank you for this question because it's not one that everybody would be willing to put on the table because it feels it's well, it's it's tied to politics, right? So as Joshua mentioned, you know, you can be on either end of that, either you have been brought into a district where you realize later that there was an internal candidate that you're now supervising and that has its other layers, right? Or the end of the coin that you're speaking to, which is where you're the one who is striving, 
And now you got to look at this person and not feel all the, you know, jealous green monster. (laughs) Um, So a question for you, because obviously you're a highly reflective person. That's clear through your blog, through the other professional work you do. What are some of the strategies that you've been thinking about already? Are there any that have floated through your brain? I think one of the things I've thought about is making sure I have the opportunity to explain my work experience and make it clear that I do take the position I have in my district very seriously. And when I had interviewed for the position, I'd made a statement that if I wasn't selected, I would continue to do the work that I am doing in my job because I believe in it very wholeheartedly. And I think one thing is going to need to express that to this individual who is now going to be the person I report to just so that they know that I'm not secretly hoping that they would fail so I could take their job because I know there are some contexts where things like that happen and that's definitely not the kind of person I am never have been never will be so that's uh, I think first of all just trying to find that opportunity to have that conversation to kind of clear the air to make sure they know that I will fully support them in the role that they have. So Alex have you ever experienced a similar situation obviously not in your current role but maybe somewhere else within your own journey? Actually, I haven't. And that's what made me like feel like this question is really unique for my experiences. I've been the other end of it before, though. Once, once upon a time, I was a small business owner and I had started in the co- company. It was a custodial cleaning company. And I just started as one of the kind of run-of-the-mill custodians in the company. And very, very shortly after, found myself given the opportunity to buy the company, become the owner and president, which meant that I became the head of an organization with people who had been working in the company far longer than me. So I've been on the other end of that, of being the person who kind of came up out of nowhere and took over the leadership. But usually when I've had roles where we have a new leader in a context, like if in the building I worked in before, We had new principals who were hired, but I had never interviewed for or applied for that position. So there was never that kind of awkward situation of working for a person who got the job that I had applied for. Alex, I do have a question. You talked about the fact that you interviewed and did they give you any feedback after the interview or after they made their decision? There wasn't any direct feedback after they made the decision. Uh, It was... It was kind of just a, we had selected this other person. Uh, It was someone who does have background with a formal administrative role. And the, but I was also told that the interview that I presented myself very well, presented my ideas, had shared a very clear vision and purpose of what the role could be. It felt to me that the reason the other individual was selected was because of some of the items on their resume of, that experience of working in an, in an administrative role. Mm-hmm. I have never had any formal admin roles in a school system, even though I've done a lot of leadership. That was the feedback I got was, you know, interviewed very well, but this other person had more items on the resume that I didn't get. Well, a quick observation on that one, as we kind of process through this, because I think you've already given your insights in terms of what you think would be the best way to overcome this. And I think it bridges one piece is there's a benefit here where some people, they don't, and I've been through this, don't get a position. And the feedback is like, nope, there's, you couldn't have done anything different. You know, the committee just went with 
this person and there really was nothing you could do. Right. And so then you, you're left to kind of write a story about that. And a lot of times it could be that one little piece of experience extra or whatever. But the beautiful part is, as an internal candidate without that, if, if that's what you distill down to being the piece based on the feedback is there's an opportunity there then, right. To learn from somebody who has had some previous experience. And that's one piece that when we get through this and we're talking about resources, there's a, a processing that we can all go through that might be helpful. Uh, Joshua, do you do you want to share some of your insights for Alex? Yeah, I would love to just talk about my own experience. You know, obviously, it's a different position. I was a teacher at the time trying to become a dean of students, but I did not get the, the position. I did not get in the pool. And so I had to go back to the, my campus as a teacher and a coach. And the person that also was trying to get the position, obviously, they got the position as a dean on my campus. And so I actually sat down with them and just said, hey, I, I did try to get this position. And kind of what Alex was saying, just was very open and honest and transparent about the situation of that is what I am longing to do in the future. That is my goal. Um, that is my mission. And I'd love to learn from you so that someday I can be a dean of students. And so that conversation then, of course, with time, because that person had to trust me and figure out that I wasn't trying to take their job or undermine them in any sense, but really just tried to learn from them and, and assist them in any way I could. And by the end of the year, we were extremely good friends. And still to this day, we, we speak. Um, we're in very different roles now as we've grown in our leadership journey. But um, at that time, I felt like I didn't want any conversation behind the scenes happening or anything to, to be weird in that situation as I was still trying to get leadership experience. So I just sat down and, and had a meeting with this person and, and was very upfront at, at the very beginning to try and break down any misconceptions that there might have been. And in the end, it turned out well because the next year I, I did get the position that I wanted. And in turn, it was because of the relationship that I had built and that person's help to get me to the to that next step. So I think Alex is kind of on the right track as far as what he was thinking. I know from my own personal experience, that worked really well. You know, I, I do want to talk later after Sarah provides her resources, but I would like to talk about Alex, you know, as far as, you know, what your success and what your journey will look like later on. Thanks, Joshua, for sharing that. I like that you had that experience about being an internal candidate. I've never had that personally, but it's funny because I was just recently having a conversation with one of my clients as coaching, um, and we literally went back and forth on all of the variables about even bothering to apply. And maybe, Alex, you it's potential that you had some of those thoughts ahead, like processing through what if I don't get this position? What if I do get this position? Was that a part of your experience ahead of it or were you just all in? That was definitely a big part of the the process for me is I debated whether or not I should even apply for the position. And I actually consulted with my, you know, my current boss, my executive director of CNI to ask her about it. To, so she actually looked at my resume to say, well, yeah, you know, you meet the qualifications that you would definitely get an interview for this position. And she did let me know that, you know, is you don't have any administrative roles in your experience. So that could be something that when they look at candidates, that could count against me. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of knowing that there was a very strong possibility for that. But for me, part of it was thinking that there would probably be some other internal candidates from the district like current building administrators or similar that 
I, I guess I was going in almost thinking, you know, if they select someone, it'll be they're picking someone who is currently in an administrative role in the district. So it'd be kind of moving someone up that ladder of admin roles. So it did kind of throw me off when the candidate was someone selected from out of the district. Not that I'm questioning the qualifications right. of the individual at all. I don't want anyone who listens to think that I'm like, oh, man, you know, they just went and pick someone outside. I think there was definitely a very thorough vetting process for that. What's that question of, mm-hmm. hey, do I apply for this job if I don't have all the boxes checked that are kind of a traditional route of moving into what would be a central office administrative role before I've even had a building leadership role? But I was encouraged to do so from administrators who I talked to. I even talked to some of the ones within my own district and they said, yeah, you should apply for this because if nothing else, it'll be a good experience for you. And I think that is something that is true is that the interview was a really good experience for me, even if I didn't have the outcome that I had hoped for. I'm so glad you touched upon that because that's one of the key pieces, you know, is here we are in early May, people are still applying, interviewing, making shifts, all these things in the cycle of the school year. And I think that's always critical to keep in mind is there's always something to learn from that um, often arduous interview process, right? (laughs) It's the reflection of putting your materials together. It is the engagement of the questions that make you think. It pushes you through the process of, you know, visioning something different, of realizing that you're grateful for what you have. You know, there's so much that can go into that whole process of making yourself a candidate for a position, right? By choosing to apply. And so I'm glad it sounds like you went through all those emotions ahead of time. And now, you know, you've gone through the emotions after the fact, and your big tactical question really is, how do I go about, you know, making this a good working relationship? And it sounds to me like you've already made the plan to sit down and have that conversation. And I think Joshua shared with you his reasonings why he did that. I think that's solid because the conversations behind the doors, you can't control those, but you can control the one that you handle. And that sounds like you have a really positive and excellent view of a working relationship. I wanted to grab, I decided that I wanted to have some type of a resource for your question because I think that there are tangible things that we can do more beyond just our own personal experiences, our own personal feelings. And I found a quick article in the Harvard Business Review. And they prompted you as a reader to go through a couple of different questions. So I just want to go through maybe two of those. And these are something that you could consider out. We'll link it in the show notes, Alex, if you decide that you want to do this. But I think these are more internal where you are doing an external thing or you want to have a relationship building conversation with the person who you're going to be a direct report for. I think that's awesome. Beyond that, inside of your own mind, and this could happen probably ahead of the conversation would be, a question, what more can I learn in this job and or from my new manager? And so if you still feel like there's more to learn and what you're doing, reinvest in your role. During the interview process, you may have mentally graduated from your present position, but you have to realize that you still have more to learn potentially in the work that you're doing and especially looking at yourself maybe even as an apprentice for this actual administrative role. So that's one piece. What more can I learn in this job and from my new manager? And I think this is a good question to process because when we apply for another position, it it could imply that we're dissatisfied with our current level. I know you're an aspiring title leader, but this question might sit in your gut a little bit. What am I dissatisfied with or what else do I want in this current role? So 
you know, after answering that question, actively work on creating the conditions that you desire. And that could also be a really good bridging point if you wanted to gain some more kind of formal experience without that title with that new supervisor. It's kind of an opportunity to even restructure what you're currently doing and try to help bring that vision forward, even if you're not the person directly in charge of those tasks. If that Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's interesting, the idea of kind of revisioning the current role is it's something I, I joke about with the job that I have is that when I came in, I was the third person in three years to do the job. And the job had only existed for three years. People would ask me, they're like, Alex, what is your job? And I was like, honestly, I don't know, because nobody's done the job long enough to figure it out. So next year, year four in the role and the job title is actually being changed. So instead of being the curriculum coordinator for 21st century teaching and learning, part of the reorganization is that my job title, I'm going to become the professional learning coordinator for the district. So it's already being set up for an opportunity to reimagine and re-envision what my role within the school's district is. So I really like those questions and definitely give me good things to reflect on. That's awesome. And that sounds really exciting. You know, one of the things that uh, two things that I want to mention, I have a co-author, Jessica Johnson, who between her and Kabine and I, we wrote Balance Like a Pirate. And she always shares that one of her reinvestment uh, moments was when she was looking, she was just drained with the actual principal job. And she was looking for a position outside of a school, just trying to shift things. And, and what she realized, she went through that process and she didn't get the job. And what she realized is that what she needed to do was reimagine what that role looked like. And I think that I think that might hit for any listener, honestly, whether they're looking for another job or just feeling burnt in their current role. We have some of that latitude in our lives. And then the other piece that I wanted to mention, too, is I often say this and I believe in it. And it's honestly a mantra that I have to constantly tell myself, especially in a stage of life that I've been in for the past couple of years, is that we really cannot idolize our titles because at the end of the day, uh, you know, those titles really are just that. And the leadership that we carry couched within any one of those, anything that we have is really what matters the most. So it sounds like that's going to be a perfect opportunity for you this year to kind of reimagine and also kind of reduce, you know, take take away that idol. Um, and then eventually it can get you into your dream role, right? In our curriculum department, we always joke that the biggest piece of our job title or our job duties is the last line that says other duties as assigned. <laughs> that, yes. That's what captures what we do on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yes. uh, it's the, the official job title doesn't reflect our day-to-day work, that it's that other duties as assigned. Here's a project, go do it and do it well. Yeah. So I got one more thing for you, buddy. All right. So you've probably read this book, but if any listener hasn't, I highly suggest it, which is from Dr. Jill Seiler, Thrive Through the Five, Practical Truths to Powerfully Lead Through Challenging Times. And so when I was thinking about your challenge, I was thinking a little bit different in the sense that, you know, you obviously didn't get the position, but I I want you to know that the, the line to success is not straight, right? So there's a quote here, just because you are not moving in a seamless straight trajectory you had anticipated or hoped for, it doesn't mean that you are not ready or equipped to be successful in your next steps. And I know you have a lot of skills, you're an amazing leader, and although you did not get this position, I know that whatever you do and whatever, whatever are those next steps, you will be successful. So 
I want you to keep that in the forefront in your mind as you're going through this this challenging time right now. I appreciate that. I think it is something I have reflected on and also had others have suggested that, you know, being a finalist for a position in my district means that when another job opportunity opens up, it may be that that is the position that is the one that is right for me, that I'll be the right fit for. So I really appreciate the advice and Correct. suggestions and I have not read that book yet. So now I have to add it to my list. And the wife is sitting across from me, looking at me and rolling her eyes because I'm going to add yet another book to my <laughs> growing pile of to be read books. Yes, I highly recommend it. Jill is amazing. That's awesome, Alex. And I love to hear what you said is that, you know, we always know that there's a door that's going to open up that's meant for you. And that just wasn't. So I think that's a great way to close this up. And thank you so much for your vulnerability. We know that listeners are going to gain from this conversation. We just always appreciate that opportunity. So thank you for taking the time and for bringing forth your challenge with us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. It's definitely helped to be able to do some more eruption. Sarah just launched an individual and group-based coaching service and more information is linked in the show notes. If you would like to work with me as an individual coach, you can reach me through my website at joshstamper.com and click contact. Join us again next month where we will share our conversations with another wonderful leader. Until then, keep reaching for new heights and striving to be better.